Welcome to the E6 Podcast. The E6 Podcast is a place for candid conversations from Colonial Church, where we will dive deeper into what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how it all applies to our lives as Christ followers. All right, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is the E6 Podcast, episode number 23. My name is Brooke. I'm one of the pastors here at Colonial, and we have a small uh, a small gathering today, and I brought Lauren along with me. Hey, yep, man. just the two of us, man. That's hey, it. episode 23, there's something about that number that I really like. What comes to mind to you, Brooke, when you hear 23? Uh, Blink-182 that nobody likes you when you're 23. Oh, that is not where I thought you were going to go. No, it's not. Blink-182, I used to listen to them all the time. That's a little more your era. You like Michael Jordan? Is that what I'm supposed to go with, 23? Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player <laughs> of all time. Okay. You're yeah, not I, a LeBron I, guy, are you? Uh, no, I mean, no. The not, proverbial not, MJ or LeBron? Yeah, no, I I, I don't know. I, I think it's hard because it's like their athleticism, I think, is different. But at the same time, if you don't have Michael Jordan, do you have LeBron? That's like if, if chicken some, in the a egg, tree right? falls in the woods kind of thing. <laughs> which one's, saying, which like, one's the better player? Which one's? I'm the not best. saying who would beat each other in one on one. I'm not saying. I think. I think. I think. Uh, I think LeBron is a better all around player. <laughs> you know what? It's episode 23. We finally have heresy on the podcast. I don't. Think I didn't that think that's... it would take this long <laughs> for somebody to state something so ridiculously off base. I think his all-around game, because oh, no. I think he can do far more things. Oh, Brooke. But like I said, I think without Michael Jordan, you don't have LeBron James. No, I agree with that. Your LeBron I'm, James is different. Yeah. It's, I, like, it's like without Steph Curry, you don't have like a Trey Young. Of course, you got to bring it back to OU somehow, right? <laughs> I didn't mean to do that, but okay. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I, they're, they're both incredible. I Absolutely. Mean, the fun, the fun, it's a fun argument, because they're both top five and NBA because you could you could time. never possibly settle that argument because they're oh, no, never settled. they're never going to play one on one they're never going to play that kind of a deal <laughs> did you hear did you hear what uh, what's their what's their size difference uh i think lebron is 2 inches taller than i just feel like he's like, like he's got like more think, more more muscle like i feel like he eight and a good 30 or 40 pounds heavier i feel like he'd push him around uh, no one on one well i don't know i don't know i don't know mj <laughs> is the man <laughs> I mean, LeBron just got knocked out first round of the playoffs. Yeah, but he's getting old. True, true. Yeah. Michael Jordan got knocked out of the playoffs a ton of times. The first few at years the end. when he had nobody to play with. And then he played for the, Did you hear what the MJ, Hornets. Did you hear and he what, played for the, the, the Wizards. Yeah, he was getting old there too. You're right. I'm just saying. Did you hear what uh, MJ said uh, recently? Uh, he was asked if, uh, what would happen if his Bulls played these Lakers. Uh, I don't. I don't think I saw that. No. I love this. MJ said that they would win by two. The Bulls would win by two, and it threw off whoever asked him. Like, oh, really? I thought you would say something different. He's like, <laughs> yeah. Two. Well, we're most of us are in our sixties now, <laughs> so they would win now. <laughs> yeah, I love now that. they would win. I love that. LeBron versus Jordan. So you would you would pick Jordan then? Every day, all day, and twice on Sunday, as Why? they say, because he's better at what basketball that's what we're talking about <laughs> he's better he's a better he's a better defender he's a he's way bigger winner and i don't mean just like statistically okay i mean 
to to the point where he was a jerk. To I mean that right. that that ten episode series last on, dance. Oh, was fantastic. I actually haven't watched it yet. Oh my goodness! I know. I know. Oh my goodness! You're gonna rile me up. You do yourself a favor. <laughs> I know. I know. I get to it all the time, but usually, it's usually so when we good. sit down, it's like my wife's with me, and she will not care. And so, no, I know wife, that your wife might won't. enjoy it. It's she really won't. well done. It's no, good won't. storytelling. I believe you. She won't care. There's also for all our listeners out there, there is a uh, <laughs> there's a, a standard version of the series. Which has you know has everything unfiltered. It's locker room conversations, so there's okay. language and all kinds of stuff. It's mostly, I think, just language, but it's it's definitely rated mature, you uh-huh. know. But there was also another version put out on ESPN okay. that is uh, they they bleep all that stuff out. I was so. thinking like a standard version, like they made it look like the TV would have looked like back when Jordan was on TV. It was the no, standard. There's version a lot of that versus, versus the unfortunately the HD a lot version that. that came yeah. out recently. <laughs> Seriously, one of the best things I've seen on TV, and it also takes you back for all of us that were around when yeah. the Bulls did their thing. In the I mean, I, I, I watched, I watched and, a few of those. Yeah, towards the towards the end of his six six run. Oh my goodness, so good! But the way he made everybody better. Yeah, I think. Okay, Kobe does a better job of that. I agree. And LeBron did a better okay. job. So. I, can, I can live with that. I'm just thinking of we should move on athleticism <laughs> personally, but. He also didn't have, I mean, I don't know. Would you argue that those Bulls teams were super teams like LeBron no. has built? No. Yeah. So I that, either. that's part of my point. Steve is, Kerr's making threes from the corner then. Right. I mean. <laughs> Dennis Rodman's the, the guy sitting down on the other end of the court going, uh, no, I'm just going to wait for the rebounds. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to play on that now. No, they, fine. I agree. I agree. <laughs> MJ, baby. Okay. Episode 23. That's what, sorry, that's where yeah. I went. Yeah, it's just the two of us today because, uh, I've asked a couple other pastors on our staff if they could join us that wasn't able to, uh, thought about different guests we could have. It just worked out this way. Tanner is on vacation. Vacation. Yes. Enjoying some time with his family. Uh, his kids are out of school. His, yep. well, his, I guess his All old, of them oldest are. child is out of school and his youngest aren't in school yet. And then his wife will be teaching again this fall, uh, but enjoying some summer, summer freedom this week so it's awesome turns out just me and you maybe yeah that's right i'm gonna do that in a couple weeks looking forward to it yeah yeah you'll be on your own all by yourself we'll see what happens the lauren monologue it might be the lowest rated podcast (laughs) in e6 history (laughs) i don't know we can do better than that we can plan ahead so uh how was your week uh really good uh came off a weekend with my family my parents and my uh, brother and my sister's family uh, enjoyed watching my. Uh, I guess I'm talking about last weekend, mm. talking about um, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, but I was that was off all the way through Monday and enjoyed some time with them. And yeah. so I had a short work, shorter work week this week. Um, yeah, short short week to prepare for this message. Like no big a, deal. A tough one. A tough one. <laughs> Thankfully, I did most of the work before Memorial Day weekend, but. Yeah, we tackled a tough subject. I know we're going to get a little more into that. Today. We will. We actually got a couple of good questions that we'll that we're going to get to. So, uh, so that's that's good. But yeah, yeah, we had a we had a a weird week. It was you know obviously dealing with uh, dealing with some of the the the, the medical things, and then uh, we got to go see my got to go see my family. My uh, my sister and her uh, fiance came down from Chicago to to Dallas so that we could uh, get the family together, and and we went and hung out and and. Um, and yeah, so we, we got to see them, uh, but at the same time, we had car problems, and so I, 
<laughs> we had to pile all of our kids into my little my little car and uh, and drive to to Dallas with all of its goofy quirks and things while our other cars belts in your i do i do yeah uh they are they are uh, interesting you know (laughs) like those big really thick ones that you don't want to get hit by and uh yeah you know like power power windows were not a thing when this car when this car came out what year is your is it's a jeep (laughs) it's actually an it's actually an 08 it was a jeep compass uh patriot patriot that's right that's right that's right so yeah, that was a that was an experience in and of itself. I've been in that thing. I'm amazed that thing's still going. <laughs> it's, you, you go, man. It's uh, it's, it's what bubble, bubble gum and duct tape, right? <laughs> I feel like I feel like half the time it's okay. See if we make it this time. So, well, yeah. Well, it was uh, um, a, a week leading up to it, and uh, um, speaking of of patriots, we had uh, the the seventy fifth anniversary. Was seventy fifth? Is that right? I'm not doing the math. 66 plus no, 56 plus 21, 77. 77. Okay, so yeah, I was I was thinking wrong. Yeah, yeah. So 77th anniversary of uh, of D Day. D Day. That was yesterday. Yesterday, Sunday, yeah. Sunday this weekend. Yes, and I, you know what? Part of what's on my brain, even thinking about D Day, is we recorded our Memorial Day podcast episode last week, but right. we recorded it a few days before. Like several even, days, several days before, and we even talked about you know the plans we had with our families and the 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 habits we had over the years of of seeing family and traveling and vacationing, and we didn't even mention the meaning behind that unique day. Mm. Um, and I know we've we've got probably some listeners that have loved ones that have fallen you know serving our country, sure. and um, D Day just brings all that back for me a week later. You know, uh, yesterday I was reminded I, something online reminded me that it was d-day wasn't on my radar till late in the day uh but man i just flashback i grew up as a lot of our folks know i grew up in germany and uh and so things like the war in the pacific uh in world war ii i know almost nothing about mm. outside of maybe you know the bombs in japan or something like that or pearl right. harbor pearl harbor but I know a ton about the war experience and Nazi Germany and uh, all that, you know, uh, in Europe. Uh, so it's amazing to me how I can know so much about that right. part of it and so little about the other. But I, you know, I've been to Normandy. Um, well, I was very young when I went, so it's a, it's a kind of a foggy memory. Uh, but I'm much more... I'm much more up to date on just who the Nazis were and the atrocities they they were uh, guilty of and then I'm such a movie I, I think we've talked about this a little bit I'm such such a fan of the big screen and not only how it entertains but how it brings true stories to life uh, I can't decide if Saving Private Ryan or The Band of Brothers mm. uh, by HBO is is the better more incredible depiction of, of war that I've, I've personally experienced would um, you so would you say one was more accurate than the other from what i've read uh cuz wasn't that wasn't that the point of like the saving private ryan was that it was it was trying to be as accurate as possible mm-hmm. and i mean just some of the the the, the i mean the, the blood and guts if you will from yes. from the storming yes. the beach that was that was pretty pretty uh the opening explicit. 15 20 yeah. minutes of saving private ryan um, just 
wrecked me mm. the first time I saw it and, and frankly messes me up the few times I've seen it since. Uh, just watching these young kids, our 18, 19, 20-year-old soldiers. Um, I was reading about it a little bit last night. 156,000 troops uh, descended on five beaches uh, from several different countries, including the U.S., and we lost uh, arguably twice as many as, as the Nazis did. We lost uh, over 10,000 soldiers. Uh, and just that opening scene of them just getting mowed down on the beach and uh, having the high ground sure makes a difference. The there. high ground just rained for quite a while before they could finally, uh, they weren't even successful on day one in, I think three of the five beaches. Mm. It was awful. And so to think of the number of, again, I call them kids that died just trying to overcome the evil of Hitler and, mm. um, to liberate the French, the people weren't even, wasn't even on our soil to, that that's only one thing we think about when it comes to like Memorial Day, for example. But yesterday was D Day, so we think we think back on some folks that gave their lives for uh, at least against the enemy of of evil, so to speak. Um, which also brings other thoughts to mind. You know, things like a Christian leader like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one of my favorite authors, mm -hmm. Christian pastor who was literally a pacifist, like opposed to killing right. and was so um, negatively affected by the, the evil of Hitler that he partnered with some people to try to assassinate Hitler. a whole Hitler. plan, yeah. Like, think about that. That's just overwhelming, yeah. you know? Um, a couple of my favorite discipleship books of all time have been written by this guy. Died in a Nazi prison camp. camp not too long before the war Executed. Ended. Executed, yeah. Um, I digress. D-Day was yesterday. That's a mm. big day. It's a big day in our country's history. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did you ever see The Longest Day? Uh, I was looking at uh, some pictures of, of those kinds of movies. I don't recognize that one. My, my grandma was a huge John Wayden fan, so, ah. so it's likely that I have seen it, but also likely that it could have just been... One of the movies that was on while she slept on the floor in the living room watching John Wayne westerns. Well, so, <laughs> arguable from what I know, I grew up. I grew up just inundated with John Wayne movies too, because that was my parents. Our parents, both our parents' generations, I think were all John Wayne was it, you know. But I think he made like a movie every other week. <laughs> it seems like it. I mean, it's like. It well, and frankly, the quality of some of those movies, I think he was making them every other week. Uh, yeah, or or the, I think I think several of them were probably like on the same set, and they were like, "Okay, your name is this now. Yeah, now do that scene again, but your name is this. Yeah, right, because he's the same guy. Yeah, that's right. In every movie. basically, okay, different, different, uh, different female actor. Come on in, and uh, and they move right. on. You know, well, now you're saving her. Well, having said that, the longest day is uh, <laughs> I think it's early '60s was okay. another another film about D Day. Another film about storming the beaches of okay. Normandy. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't. Way I don't before even my, don't all you it. listeners who think I'm old, even before my time. Even before, even did before they have film time. back then? Evidently, evidently they had moving pictures, Brooke. Wow. So like a flip book. Basically. It may have been a flip book. Yeah. Somebody's playing the piano at the same time. <laughs> the words come up on the screen. Uh, <laughs> ageism. <laughs> ageism but it's just right there you know all right so we had a a, a difficult topic this weekend yes, um, we, did. we we talked about divorce 
which is obviously something that uh, you know everybody wants to sit down and, and discuss and and uh, you know have riveting conversations about, and yeah. yet it always is is a big deal. Um, and and I'm curious, uh, just off the top of my head, I was thinking about this literally in the moment, so uh, I can't remember, but the, aren't the stats for like Christian divorces just crazy high? Yes. I, I will confess, I have not seen newer stats like over the last three or four years. Mm. But several years ago, um, I remember seeing statistics that uh, not only is the divorce rate very high in our country at large, but sadly, the divorce rate amongst people who claim to be Christians is identical to that's that to me is the most mm. grievous. Is that the right word? Grievous. That's not the right word. Isn't that the guy from Star Wars? Maybe. The the Sith Lord. Grievous. <laughs> it's the know. most it's the thing that makes me the most sad is is that we, at least from a distance, when it comes to divorce, we Christians look just like everybody else. No different. Now having said that, a ton of these folks are claiming to be Christians. Right. I don't know if that's a cultural identity they grab a hold of and they I mean, really aren't followers of Jesus. I, I don't think know. it's a I think it's a big that's I think it's gotta a be, big distinction. It's gotta be part of it. It's got to be. I mean, yeah, I think it, I think it has to be, but, but nonetheless, the, the rates are high. I mean, at the same time, yeah, I mean, it's like we're, you have people that are, that are coming from divorced homes that, you know, I think, and in a lot of ways, probably repeating the cycle. Yep. You know, we, we do learn what's modeled for us for sure, how to treat the opposite sex, how to, how to be a good husband or wife, mm-hmm. um, what fidelity, what, what love looks like, you know, absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, well, here. So, so before we before we dive into it, tell me this: as for 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 those of us that just uh, that that just attend on the weekends, or we watch online, or we're not a part of the process, what does what goes into um, forming a message like this on a topic that you know is mm. not going to be everyone's favorite topic? That's yeah. going to push people's buttons. It's going to upset some people. Um, obviously we joke about like the short week leading up to it, like, yeah, you just threw that one together real fast. But, but what, what actually goes into putting together a message like this that, you know, you got to do because, well, we chose the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus talked about it. So, but then what goes into it when you know it's going to be tough? Uh, that's a great question. And probably the kind of question most folks are, are wondering curiously about, I think my answer, um, is pretty easy because if for me, if it's from the scripture, especially for me, if it's Jesus teaching, Jesus correcting, Jesus explaining, um, even if it's something I don't want to hear or it's something I am reluctant to share because I worry about how it's going to be received or I think as a teacher, as a preacher, it's just, it's like, ah, this is my job. Like right. my job is not to make the church bigger. Uh, my job is not to tickle ears. Um, my job is definitely not to be a jerk or be a punk or uh, go on rants. My job is to teach. And, and so in the same way we, we call, you know, one of our main practices, a radical minimum of listening to God, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to do today? It's the same thing. Okay, what what is this saying to us? Uh, and let me lean into some people way smarter than me. That that's probably central to what you're asking. Is 
If I just read it and then teach it, I'm not doing a good job as a pastor. If I read it, I pray about it. I look up, I have a bunch of different commentaries, which Mm -hmm. are really smart theologians, scholars, Greek experts, Hebrew experts, history experts. And I put all that together and, and some of them just real easily agree with each other. That makes it super easy. Yeah. Some of them disagree with each other on the meaning of words or the historical context or, or even just come from theologically different camps. That's the hard part for me is I've got to wrestle through, okay, what do I think the Lord is saying is true here mm-hmm. if there's opposing views? But um, there's, this is one of the more difficult parts of Jesus, difficult Sermon on the Mount. And so there are some different views on what he meant. Uh, and he gives you a total of two verses. And it gives us two verses. But <laughs> as we did yesterday right. at church, we looked at another passage where Jesus talked about the same thing. Well, and that's that's pretty pretty normal for how you've approached a lot of things. It's yes. like, yeah, okay, well, maybe there's this one verse that maybe you could take out of context or right. whatever, but you have to hold it in, right. in the context of all the rest of the things that yes. he said and how he lived his life. Absolutely. That's a huge point. We've got to... That's probably one of the biggest challenges, not only of teaching for someone like me for yesterday, but for all of us who really want to hear from God through the scriptures is we, we, it's always got to be in context. It's always got to be in the greater context of all of scripture uh, in general, as well as other places scripture speaks to that subject. Right. Um, very helpful. As difficult as it was for me to teach yesterday because it's a hard topic and there are people that I love genuinely love even only being here not even three years there are friends I have come to love who have are divorcees or who have remarried or um or have have wounds around this Mm -hmm. from parents or or friends and oh I walked in yesterday not with a heavy heart but with a heavy weight of I, I prayed about a thousand times over the last couple of weeks. Please let me do this well. Please let me honor you, Lord. Please Knowing let me... how tough it's going to be oh, for yeah. other people to hear. Here's a quote from my wife. Okay. After the first service, she attended the 915, and she came up to me, and she's just my biggest fan and you know my best friend. And she said, Lord, <laughs> she said, you did really good. You did good. She's smiling. And then she said, I was really nervous for you. Mm. And I said, well, thank you. I said, hopefully you're not nervous anymore. And she goes, no, now I'm nervous for you for the 11 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So even, even, even knowing what I was saying, yeah. she was nervous. Because it truth sometimes is really hard to hear. Even said in love and yeah. said as sensitively as possible, we're wounded people. Yeah. We're broken people. And, well, so, and even you and I talked about this in between services that like the you you came back to a lot of the I think a lot of the other questions and things that that people would sit in mm. towards the end of the message. So there's still that, you know, a large chunk of of that time that you're on stage talking that could can easily be like if they shut down, if they stop, if you know, if somebody absolutely. stops listening and they don't hear the rest of it. I did see then, somebody get up in the first service. And that was, I was me. I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> well, I was going to say, <laughs> thankfully, I saw them come back a few minutes <laughs> that's later. That's good. That's good. But in my head, I'm like, oh, here it goes. <laughs> There's number one. Uh, yeah. Well, um, I was I was enjoying the uh, the the rabbis that you talked about. Mm. What was it? Hillel and Shammai. Shammai. Yes. The, it's it sounds like a a rap battle between <laughs> between these. And I could just picture it in my head this time. You know, I'm 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 picturing these like. Uh, you know, Orthodox Jewish guys 
with the big old curls and the yarmulke on and the robes yes. and the you know and and all of that up on stage you know in in modest Yahoo style and <laughs> and uh, rap, rapping back and forth at each other that's what I had in my see head, you right. think rap I go to Fiddler on the Roof <laughs> I love that musical I'm not a big musical guy but mm-hmm. I love the movie they made out mm-hmm. of the musical it's fantastic man we are on fire for movies that you think are awesome that your I've girls not seen. would love it I'm telling you right <laughs> now my girls love Fiddler on the Roof because he's a father of of girls okay and uh it's this yeah i won't fiddler on the roof is one of my top fiddler 20 movies of roof. all time i've never seen it it's fantastic i probably saw it was a musical or something and it's was really like good. or, or off broadway or whatever and i was like no nah, i don't care well to your point uh you're, you're picturing some rapping rabbis <laughs> i'm picturing <laughs> russian jews and different different <laughs> movie but yeah um I, I will tell you one of the one of my favorite learnings uh has been this past year about, I did not know about Rabbi Shammai and Rabbi Hillel. I think I've read it before. It okay. sounds familiar, but in studying for uh, preparation for Sermon on the Mount teaching and specifically this passage, uh, there was a couple different commentaries I read about them. And then I listened, I listened to a podcast with some Messianic Jews we've referred to before with the, yeah. the Bema or yeah. Bema. Um, and uh, they talked about that at length and it's just, Oh, so like I wanted to share a little bit more on the podcast if, if you didn't hear yesterday, Rabbi Shammai and Rabbi Hillel, they're a few decades before the time of Jesus, and they represented two ends of the spectrum of, of the rabbinical teachings of the day. Is this like their one thing that they argued back and forth on? Or no, there this were actually... Like they butted heads no, on like everything. There were eight big topics of debate, Okay, and I, and I, I couldn't rattle off. Uh, I don't what have all in front are. of me what they all are, but this was one of them. Okay. Divorce okay. was one of them. And, um, and so here's where it comes together for me as a Christian. This will sound more familiar. If you ask Jesus, what is your yoke? Uh, he said in Matthew 11, he said, my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Uh, we know a yoke is that thing you, you put on the oxen right. that just keeps them. It's like they're bri- the bridle. It right. just keeps them going in the right direction. It's also the, what, what harnesses the weight that they carry that they're pulling behind. And so that was a term used to describe how a rabbi, how a teacher interprets the, the scriptures, the text, the ancient Hebrew text. So if you can picture the yoke is like, it's the way they see the world. It's the way they see scripture, the lenses through which they're looking, the prescription glasses they're wearing that, that shapes how they interpret the, the old Testament, what we call the old Testament. So what I've learned is that Shammai and Hillel just represent these two extremes and these prescription lenses they wore were specifically for any rabbi came down to what are the two primary commandments? And everybody agreed on the first one. Can you, can you guess what the first primary commandment that all the Jewish rabbis agreed on? I would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Boom. Okay. With, with all your heart, soul, and strength from, or might, from Deuteronomy 6. Everybody agreed with that. That right. was not the issue. But the second primary commandment for these rabbis, these different schools of thought, were different. And they argued with each other about it. So here's where it comes together. Okay. If you asked Shammai, what is your yoke? What are the two greatest commandments? He would say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And then he said, keep the commandments. And then he specifically talked about the Sabbath. But the, the, the bigger issue here is, is, is obedience. 
This Sh- was Shammai. This was Shammai. Okay. It was all about obedience. What God wants from you Letter of the law. more than anything else is obedience. He wasn't necessarily opposed to love right. in a cold-hearted way. He was just saying, well, the way this love is going to look is, is your is obedience. You're gonna pay t- yeah, right. You know? Now, if you asked Hillel, who's the other end of the spectrum, what is your yoke? What are the two greatest commandments? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Does that sound familiar? Mm. Um, that's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus actually sided with Hillel, the, you know, the, the teachings of, he wasn't saying Frozen, this yeah. new thing. He did, when he said all the law and the prophets can be summed up in these two commands, love Lord your God with all your heart, uh, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Mm. He didn't make that up. That wasn't a new thing. It's not in the Old Testament, but it's the rabbinical teachings. So he literally in that moment was siding with Hillel. Okay. Um, but here's, here's where this comes together for divorce. I hope I'm not boring anybody. I got, I got excited about they this. They can fast forward. It's fine. <laughs> Keep can, going. That's right. Um, Hillel, which is where Jesus sided with love your neighbor as yourself, he's the more liberal, the more progressive rabbi. His school of thought is the more progressive thinking. And over and over and over again, Jesus sided with Hillel, hmm. except for divorce. Okay. This is the one time that we have recorded in the Gospels where, with that context in mind of rabbinical teachings, where Jesus sided with Shammai, uh, a, the more conservative approach about what when, when divorce is okay. It's not when you burn, your biscuits get burned. It's not <laughs> when you just lose interest. It's not when, oh, it's just not a good fit. Right. You drifted apart. None of that. It's only when uh, there's been unfaithfulness. Hmm. It's very, it's about obedience, you know? So he's, he sided with the more conservative Shammai this one time. But all these other times, I'm fascinated by this, he sided with Hillel. He would also take it to a whole other level because Hillel was, was does, about yeah. love, but really wide open about what that looks like. Right. And Jesus was all about people. He was all about relationships. He was mm-hmm. all about how we treat people, not the letter of the law. So it's unique that he would jump on this one issue with Shammai. I just think that's really, really fascinating. Yeah. As a non-Jew, as someone who's just not familiar with that, it brings richness to well, understanding. I mean, yeah, and it's but it's like we we that's that's totally normal. It's just we it's just a different context and a different a different time, a different world. And so you know, cuz we would have that all the time right now. Is like these these two competing thoughts. These yeah. this person versus this person. It's let's that's what half of Twitter is is like, yes. "Hey, would you go debate this person? Hey, would you debate this person? Let's set up a thing." And, yes. You know, and that's that sounds like exactly what we would expect is like, right. Hey, you have these two guys, like, wouldn't it be great if we, you know, one of them says something and the Let's other put one them in a room, the other yeah. one says something against it. You know, it's like, well, they yeah. had to come back with their, their new rap album to, you know, I'm just yes. kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, but, but it's, I mean, it sounds like totally normal, but we don't have, right. we don't have any think, of that context that we don't get. Well, and here, I, I mean, I, I missed this yesterday. Um, I was doing a bunch of things at the same time, but I missed that it was right before Jesus yeah, it was um, about forty years before Jesus. You know, and so it's like, I mean, yeah, the likelihood of him knowing all of their all of their teachings on either side, like, yeah, yeah that's that's oh, pretty, he knew all of it. Pretty likely, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I I feel like I I need to say this in the moment. This can do one of two things. This can fascinate us and make us hungrier for understanding, and make us want to read more, and make us want to ask more questions. 
worst thing that could happen here, um, I'm thinking of different kinds of people listening right now or different kinds of people sitting in a church auditorium on a Sunday. Worst case, it makes us go, oh, I can't understand this book. Like, I don't even mm. want to try because I don't know anything about the rabbis and the teachings of the day and the historical context and the culture. And my plea with my brothers and sisters in Christ who are, are hearing this is I, I want the former for you, not the latter. Right. I want I want you to go, oh, there's information at our disposal. If yeah. we just read a little bit, if yeah. we just ask the questions, if we hang out with some people that are ahead of us in the journey of understanding scripture, it doesn't mean we can't sit down and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 by ourselves. It doesn't mean we have to understand it all right. to ask the Lord to help us apply it. And so it's oh. not like it's not like none of it is understandable at face value either. Right. You know, because like, some of it is understandable. Right. Absolutely. Value. And so there's there's still merit in yes. in, you know, being able to just read through it and say, absolutely. oh, that's what he's that's what he's saying. Maybe I don't have all the context and, you know, all of the the, the rabbi teachings around him and everything that, that that's that's he's also, actually referring to. But that's also where I would go so far as to say uh, nobody has asked this question. Uh, for the podcast, but I did have a friend ask this a couple weeks ago, hey, if I really want to start reading the Bible a lot, where do I start? Hmm. Most of us open up to page one, because right. that's where you start the Hunger Games or <laughs> Harry Potter or whatever, you know? Maybe not Harry Potter, but... You start it, that in the middle? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> um, but where do we start? You start page one. I personally would not recommend that. Uh, the Bible's not written in chronological form. Right. Pretty soon you're going to get into bouncing all over the place. You're going to get into some really hard to understand things. I would start with the Gospels, right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I wouldn't even start with Matthew if you're starting because it starts with genealogies and it's written to a Jewish audience. Hmm. I would start with either Mark or John. Okay. And that's just my two cents. Um, I love the Gospel of John for people who know the least. I love the gospel of Mark for people who know the least because Mark is just, then Jesus did this and then Jesus did that and then Jesus did this and then Jesus did that. I love that. Yeah. John is much more pastoral and heart level mm -hmm. and this is what's true and this is what's true and this is what's true. So um, if, you, if you just don't know where to start and you're overwhelmed by, oh, I don't know anything about Rabbi Shammai and Rabbi Hillel and all right. these this detail stuff. Start with Mark, start with John, or as we're going to continue to go through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the next few weeks, just read that. Just read it over and over again and just ask God to help you understand and follow along with us. And I think, I think we, can, we can let the difficulty of understanding Scripture, worst case scenario, stifle us from trying. Mm. And I, I don't want that for our people. We have biblically illiterate people in our our Western church. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I'm not, Absolutely. We need to be people who read um, and watch less Netflix and read less romance novels and <laughs> whatever else people are doing and, and read the scriptures um, as students, as people. We, wanna, we want him to change us. We want him to change us. We wonder why sometimes we feel like we're just drifting along, but we're not reading the scripture, mm. you know? So rant over. Well, speaking of... Uh the difficulties of understanding some of those things in the context. There we go. Yeah, that's right. Well, you you talked about um, unfaithfulness as the one thing that he that he referred to, right? And and um, and that there are multiple interpretations of of the word. I forget the word. Um, what was it? Uh, the Greek word that you used. Um, 
for unfaithfulness. Oh, uh, poor, poor Naya. Yeah. Um, I was distracted for a second. Sorry. Poor Naya. Yes. Yeah. So what, what other, so in it, mm -hmm. um, as, as Jesus is referring to this, as you said, this more conservative guy dealing with, um, the, the, the strictness almost, if you will, of the, of the, the divorce conversation from the Shammai camp, um, he refers to the the one time that it's okay to get divorced is uh, is is was poor Naya. is due to unfaithfulness. Yes. Can can we unpack that a little bit? A little bit. Um, with a big this giant disclaimer is I have some strengths as a teacher, and I'm I'm not a a true Greek or Hebrew scholar. I I just turn to my resources. Yeah. Uh, I will say this: Pastor Jordan not only has similar resources as me, but I think he has a even a greater passion for. Um, just the study of, of the ancient text. Um, so I want to throw that out there. He's always somebody good to talk to right here in our church. Uh, Jesus focused on the sanctity of marriage. That's what he was focusing on. It wasn't really centrally about divorce. He was lifting up the sanctity of marriage. And he went back to Genesis and he said, it's all about the two becoming one flesh and the supernatural reality of that. And then, like you just said, Brooke, there's, there's one cause for divorce or one uh, possible cause for divorce uh, according to Jesus, and that is unfaithfulness. That's this word, uh, pornia in the Greek, that is where some scholars, I didn't get into it a lot yesterday, but some scholars interpret that differently. Uh, hmm. It's most often in the English translations we read translated sexual immorality. Uh, some of them translate it fornication. Um, some have argued, first of all, this is what's commonly referred to as the exception clause. Well, there's the exception clause that Jesus gives us for divorce. Um, and some have argued that this exception clause even permits divorce if there was premarital uh, sexual sin that's discovered later. But the scholars that I read mostly say, no, that, that's not true. The Greek word here is not that specific. It's broader than that. Um, most of the scholars I am leaning into uh, and that I trust say that it's sexual immorality, which has this broad interpretation. It includes adultery, which is, I think, simply understood as the immorality of the married. It also includes fornication, which is the immorality of the unmarried. So, so some scholars even try to do one or the other. No, this is, Jesus was just talking about sin outside of, of marriage. Hmm. No, 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 Jesus was just talking about sin inside of marriage. And yet most of the scholars I read, it's a much broader application. It's just, it's sexual immorality. It's not burning your biscuits. It's not that broad. <laughs> it's not, but it's, it's specifically tied to sexual sin. Um, that's what I understand. I'll, I'll bring this in as well. Um, I mentioned I was going to do this yesterday when I taught. Um, I just want to read this section of a comment, commentary um, that we can turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we can see the same issue uh, referred to again. Um, evidently, in those early days of Christianity spreading, there was this issue that came up again and again. And, and this actually makes sense to me. Imagine Christianity is just now taken off. It's just now exploding. Imagine that a husband and wife are married, and the husband suddenly comes to, to know Jesus, and the wife is not a Christian. 
Well, here's a man who's become, I'm reading this now. Here's a man who has become a new creature in Christ Jesus, but his wife still remains a non-believer. These people had been taught the doctrine about separation from the world, separation from sin. So they therefore immediately jumped to the conclusion, which forced them to say, well, it is impossible for me to go on living with a woman like that who is a pagan. Surely if I am to live the Christian life, I must divorce her because she is not a Christian. And many a wife who had been converted and whose husband was not was saying the same thing. But the Apostle Paul taught these people that the husband was not to leave his wife because he was converted and she was not. Even that is not a ground for divorce, according to Paul. So take this, this is, I'm continuing to read. This commentator says, so take all this modern talk of incompatibility of temperament. Can you imagine anything more incompatible than a Christian and a non-Christian being married? And according to current ideas, if ever there was cause for a divorce, then it would be that. But the plain teaching of scripture is that even that is not grounds for divorce. Paul says, do not leave the non-believer. So one, I want to bring that up because Jesus says, here's this one reason for divorce, sexual immorality, unfaithfulness. Paul does address uh, abandonment later. Um, he does address some other things. First Corinthians seven is full of some really hard things. We're not going to unpack mm. all that now. Uh, but just the fact that, that Paul refers to some other things, he's trying to teach these young Christians, these different situations of what we're supposed to do. And even in that case, Paul's like, ah, God's heart is to stay together. God's heart is not for divorce. Uh, if someone abandons us, what are you, what are you going to do? You know, um, that's where even this notion of abuse, I referred to this yesterday as yeah. my opinion, not coming from the scriptures is I think that's where at least the argument can be made that a, an abusive relationship can translate into somebody abandoning, uh, their spouse, someone, someone breaking that oneness. Uh, and I'm going to leave that to the Lord. I th that's where it gets so muddy that mm. I'm never going to advocate for divorce. I'm never going to recommend it. Uh, and yet I'm certainly never going to judge someone, especially if they're in an abusive relationship or especially if, if they have been abandoned um, and that other person does not want to seek restoration, reconciliation, making it work. And especially in the words of Jesus, if they've been unfaithful, I'm not, I'm not going to judge them for that. Um, the, the times I'm going to jump up and down and, and raise my, you know, shake my hands and get their attention is if, well, it's just getting hard yeah. or I just, I don't like him anymore or, <laughs> you know, he's a jerk or, um, we just want different things or we fell out of love or just on and on. None of that right. is what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to fight for wholeness and and restoration. So first Corinthians seven muddies a little bit. There's some other passages, um, that we can, we can refer to, but that's the gist of it. Um, so for the, just to put you on the spot here, um, cause you know, you love it when I do that. I do. Um, so for, for a person who is experiencing the, um, that, that, uh, abuse of some sort, yes. what's, what's their course of action? If if the idea is that that not to you know that divorce is, is is you know if if unfaithfulness is related to sexual sin, 
and 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 not beyond that you know obviously if if paul's talking about abandonment and things like that later on then then that broadens it a little bit more but that's not what jesus says right he he centers on that unfaithfulness taking unfaithfulness at face value that to me i could take it unfaithfulness and say yeah well you know um uh, abuse is unfaithfulness to your to your marriage yes obviously it's not if you're referring to well not obviously but um you know the sexual side of 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 unfaithfulness of that word but so if somebody is in that situation then what's their course of action mm. what do we do if you're in this and you know you need to get out is the, is would would the expectation be on the other side that you're trying to work it out with this person who is who has been abusive or maybe is still abusive and you're getting away from it mm. great questions um <laughs> A uh, couple, three quick thoughts. Yeah. One is, uh, first and foremost, if if you're in danger, I, I, I like to think this is intuitive, but I, right. I know enough to know it's not, especially when you're being Absolutely. abused. But if you're in danger, um, then the first and foremost thing is you got to seek safety. Uh, you may or may not handle that right. It doesn't, there's, no, there's no wrong way to handle finding yeah. safety, uh, especially if there's kids in the house, mm. I think. Um, but I think, you know, first Corinthians seven, one of the things it does say is if your unbelieving partner, uh, separates, then Paul literally says, okay, let him go, you know? And that makes me think this thought, if your unbelieving partner, if your non-Christian partner is abusive, um, I think first and foremost, you you take that up with the law, you know? Um, I think if your spouse claims to be a follower of Jesus, as with every other area of sin, if they're abusive or they're, they are, uh, or they're unfaithful or anything like that, we don't do this almost ever, but Paul teaches us a lot about church discipline, which is another term for how do we handle it as a family? Um, so I would like to think that if me and my wife were having problems. I know it's different because I'm a pastor and I probably first need to quit pastoring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if me and my wife are having significant problems, we need to go to the church first. Uh, we obviously, there's a time and place for counsel, you know, competent professional counseling. Uh, but if there are things that cannot be resolved, there's so much biblical principles there for us to turn to, to go to the church elders, to go to church leadership um, and that's because God wants us to handle things differently as Christians. He doesn't want us, this, this litigious culture that we have, just sue him, just, just go to court about everything and anything and everything. That's not from scripture. He calls us to be different. And having said that, I, I guess my point, I'm rambling. My point is that we handle it differently as non-Christians. We handle it differently if our spouse is a non-Christian and we handle it differently if we're both Christians. Um, I think our recourse is safety first. I think our recourse is, is competent counsel, whether that's trained professionals or it's the church, uh, if, if that's going to work. Um, it also speaks to the necessity of us being in community. Mm. The difference between a couple going through a situation like that and they're in a group of 10, 15 people that meets regularly, that eats meals together, that serves together, that prays together, that studies the scripture together, and them going through that, and they go to church on Sundays, a couple, three times a month, but they sit in a row, and they're not in community with people. Those are two 
dramatically different situations. Uh, and so that first couple has obvious recourse. They lean into their brothers and sisters in Christ. They lean into their group leader. They lean into their pastors. The others may feel very disconnected and alone yeah. in that, that yeah. journey and may even be embarrassed to admit what's going on because sure. it's out of the blue. And I mentioned my sister yesterday. She gave me permission to, uh, to share a little bit of her story both yesterday and again today on the podcast. And, you know, she, she just was devastated by her first husband's um, unfaithfulness uh, and departure. And um, one of the things she said that just sticks with me is she said, man, nobody in my church would have ever known, you know, because at least not at first, because we taught students together mm. and we uh, wore, you know, matching softball uniforms and looked <laughs> like the cute church couple. And uh, everybody would have thought we worked at the same hospital and just went on dates. And it speaks to what can be hidden. You know, whether it's abuse or it's unfaithfulness or it's just struggling, mm -hmm. you know, getting along or whatever. Um, I will digress a little bit. She, she shared a couple of things I wanted to pass on. She shared just, I think I just have a better empathy for my friends and family hurt by uh, infidelity, hurt by divorce. She said divorce has been the gift that just keeps on giving. I think, I think our divorcees out there can relate to this. Uh, you know, she was divorced. In a, in a negative way. In a negative way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I thought that was implied. As a, I'm just clarifying. Just no, that's sure. fair. That's fair. A, a gift that keeps on giving in a painful way. Mm. She just, uh, just a few thoughts. She, she just mentioned, you know, when they divorced, uh, she had to uproot and move out of town uh, and her kid, Sam, with her. And when they divorced, she had to buy new furniture and appliances and when uh, make new friends and start a job somewhere new. And then she had to figure out visitation with her kid. It was just ongoing interaction with this man who had hurt her and wounded her. Hmm. And then watching the rest of us as family try to do our own coping and watching one or more of us stay connected to him and one or more of us not and how that even bothered her yeah. in ways we didn't know. And, um, and then, you know, eventually he gro her son grows up, gets married recently, and they're at the wedding. Mm -hmm. And there's her ex with his new wife that he left her for. And this is 20 years later, and it's the gift of pain that keeps on giving. Yeah. And now her son is married and is splitting holidays and, and the limited time that he and his new wife have to see family because he wants to go, understandably, wants to go see his dad. And, right. Um, it's just, it, it brings to bear why it's not God's desire for us. Mm. It's not because we're doing something awful that he just, you know, in the moment doesn't like. He doesn't want that, that ongoing pain and brokenness for us. And I don't think most of us that encounter difficulties in relationship are thinking about the long-term ripple effects of any of it, much less specifically marriage. So my sister's been amazing to watch her heal to come from a place of bitterness and anger to a place of peace and um I, I won't speak to where she is with forgiveness but man she is clearly she shared with me brooke this is amazing she shared with me that she got to a place where she prayed for her ex and his marriage wow 
Um, That's at, a big deal. At least at first, because she just loves her son. Right. And she wanted him to have just a little more health and wholeness in his life. Mm. But man, didn't that, yeah. that boggle your mind? Yeah. That she would pray for her ex and his new wife. And um, it speaks to how far the Lord has brought her yeah. in her own healing. And um, it's just an example of how difficult, you know, following Jesus is, you know, yes. if you want to talk about loving your enemies, part of loving your enemies is praying for the health and wellness of, of that. And in this situation, she probably spent a lot of her time seeing him as an enemy. She even you know? quoted that. She said, I know Jesus wants us to love our enemies and boy, it doesn't get any harder than that. Man. Love. Like we're not talking about Osama bin Laden, <laughs> you know, that's easy to, to hate. Right. But he's also some far away, almost mythical creature. That's right. That's you right. We're talking You're about, not coming into contact. Talk about your spouse yeah. who has an intimate you. relationship in yes. town. Yes. You see all the time. Crazy. Yeah. Well, because this is the, uh, you know, an easy topic and, um, and no one struggles with anything, uh, you know, related to this at all. Uh, we had a couple of questions that came in that, mm. that we should get to. Yes. And, um, you know, we'll just rattle these off real quick, and you can just give, you know, your quick one-word answer to... to <laughs> your, your sarcasm is noted <laughs> on multiple levels. All right, so here we go. Uh, my husband and his previous wife were believers when they divorced. He wanted to fight for the marriage, and she did not. Considering that, was he committing adultery by marrying me, or should he have continued to pursue reconciliation? Mm. I feel like... I'm in Fiddler on the Roof, and there's three rabbis sitting around. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're trying to debate this hypothetical, uh, convoluted, complicated situation, uh, which is probably where I reveal, I don't know that this is my strength. Um, what I know, a couple thoughts come to mind. One is, I think that God's grace, I know God's grace is sufficient. That's the one-liner. I think specifically God's grace is sufficient to cover our past. And so when we get into the should I have, should he have, was the right thing to do this or that, uh, I think at some level it's, it's downright moot today. Hmm. I think God's grace covers our past. Now, if the question is, that's happening to me now, what do I do? Um, you know, I, I wanted to seek reconciliation. She does not. She is leaving me. Do I, am I free to move on in my life? Am I free to date and remarry? Am I free to, or do I need to seek reconciliation? That to me is a much harder question because God's heart is for reconciliation. God's heart is for the inexplicable pursuit of wholeness. And so, you know, our culture says, yeah, move on, man. Right. Find a new mate. You know, f find a third one. Find a fourth one. That's what our culture says. Right. Jesus says, I, I made you one. Mm -hmm. Fight for this, you know. I don't know what the answer is. Well, how many months? How many years? Yeah, right. How many decades do you do that? I don't know. But in this case, this particular question from our friend here at Colonial is, to the degree that it's, Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Mm -hmm. I think I think you got to pray for God's peace to overcome that, God's grace to overwhelm. We don't need to be. If you're looking for the right answer because you're just curious, that's different. 
But if it's still a heart issue, I, th- I, th- I pray you can move forward and, and really focus on, Lord, what do you want me to do now? What do you want, me to, what do you want us? What is faithfulness for us? I can't see God saying, you guys are supposed to now divorce, and yes, you're supposed to go pursue your first wife. Oh, she's remarried. Well, you're supposed to pray that they get divorced so that you guys can get back together. That doesn't fit in the greater context of what God is talking about. Having said that, I'm not God. Mm. (laughs) So I almost feel like I'm going too far already, you know, to start parsing this up. I think the Lord wants us to trust in his grace and his forgiveness and to ask, okay, what, what do you want me to do today? What does faithfulness look like moving forward um, for this friend and her husband who's been married before? I think the right thing to do is how do you love the heck out of each other? How do you put God first? And how do you never, ever, ever, ever give up on this relationship? I think that's the answer. Hmm. Okay. So let's throw another one out there. Um, this one says, uh, I struggle sometimes knowing that my husband was previously married, and this is a different person, so it's a similar situation, but um, I struggle sometimes knowing that my husband was previously married and knowing where we began. He was separated from his previous wife, and we did not maintain purity before we got married. I struggle knowing how we began because I know none of it was right. I look at how different we've become and how radically different our paths are now, but I guess I want to know how to get past our beginnings in my mind. I struggle with, I struggle a lot with that, but just want our marriage to be something good that God honors. Mm. Almost sounds like a very similar answer. Very similar answer. I, it, it definitely, forgive me if I'm like a little tunnel vision right now, which, which by the way is one of my downfalls. I just get fixated on an idea or... I do have a little tunnel vision on this because it, it seems to be tied to this previous question in the same sense that I'm struggling with my past. I'm struggling with our past. I'm struggling with his past. And to that end, I really think the Lord says, okay, you can't go back and change that. Mm-hmm. You can't go back and make that different. Um, I know that from my, my, my recovery friends, uh, part of their healing process is 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 making amends right. where it doesn't cause more harm, and I love that about them. I think I can learn from them. What what where are the times that I need to make amends for the wrongs I've I've done? I think in the context of our marriages, um, I think that making amends looks like loving our spouse better now. Um, I don't know that we can go back. You can't go back and change whether or not you had an unhealthy, you know, premarital experience. Right. Uh, you can't go back and, and change a marriage that one or, one or both of you used to have, but you can work on the one you have now. I think it speaks to the issue of forgiving ourselves. Mm. And I think we, we haven't talked, we didn't talk about that yesterday much. Um, I did at the very, very end. Uh, but at some level, that's what the Lord wants for us too, is not just a healthy and whole marriage and to fight for, for oneness, but to, to learn what God's grace means for ourselves with our past mistakes, our past sin. Um, he wants us to experience that. I, I do think it's appropriate if I share this text. I got a text from a friend, and I'll leave his name out. I asked him if I could share this without, without revealing his name. But he was there yesterday. Um, and I think this applies. Okay, let me read this, Brooke. Go for it. 
He texted me yesterday and he said, Pastor, wow, your sermon is still resonating with me. I have previously read the Sermon on the Mount, and every time I read what our Lord said about divorce, I felt worthless and that I was an abject sinner. Even though my adulterous behavior occurred before I came to Christ, how could a righteous God forgive me? And then in your sermon, you reminded me of Jesus and the adulterous woman. Is there no one to condemn you? Jesus asked her. She said, no. Well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. A tear came to my eye when you said that. I am still misting up when I think about the grace, mercy, compassion, and forgiveness of our mighty God. This is a, this is a guy I feel like I've, I've formed a good friendship with. and. Um, Obviously, he's, he has experienced a broken marriage. He's experienced divorce. And I've talked about this before, actually, and he's just reiterating how difficult his journey has been in just forgiving himself. This was years ago mm. that he experienced divorce, and yet he still is both sad by it and convicted of the beauty of God's forgiveness. Yeah. Um, and that's my desire for really both these, these question askers today is... Um, Doing the right thing matters. Obedience matters, like the, that rabbinical teaching of, Sha, of Shammai. And yet, Jesus, time and time again, it's, it's about people. It's about how we treat people. It's about how we die to ourselves and give ourselves for people. It's what did, what did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? You can do all these right, wonderful things. You can check the right boxes. Oh, we didn't do this, but we did do that. But in the end, Paul says, if you don't have love, it's mm. all trash, you know? So... Um, I think it's important that we really wrestle hard with forgiving ourselves and understanding the deep love and forgiveness of God. And I think that's one of the things that we suck at. We suck really that's bad. That's the theological way know? of putting it. <laughs> that's <Yes>. right. <laughs> that's what the. Uh, that's what my uh, my my my. Uh, what are the, What are those things called? The, the the book that tells us all about it. I forgot already. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like it's like that's what we that's what we struggle with so much is is we, we struggle to forgive ourselves. We struggle to move beyond, you know, yes. I might be able to forgive you, but if I was the one that, that messed up or, yes. or I, whatever, uh, you know, I, I can't get past that. And, yeah. and these two questions are referring back to that. And, and even the, the, the text you read, you know, those are referring back to things that happened to us in the past right. that we are still struggling with. Right. And I mean, even, even yesterday, as you, as you talked about, you said, you said that divorce is not an unforgivable sin, nope. you know, and that, I think it's just what we, we struggle so much with. Are, are there forgive, are there unforgivable sins? There's one reference, um, that, and off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly where it is in, in the new Testament, but there's one reference, uh, I believe it's by Paul to an unforgivable sin and it's, it's blaspheming the Holy Spirit which um, I don't know exactly what that means. There's a whole study that you can do on that phrase. The, the closest image I can have is uh, Lieutenant Dan on the top of the mast in Forrest Gump where he's got both, <laughs> fa- both, both middle fingers, both birds up to the sky, and he's just yelling at God. I'm not even sure that's unforgivable. I was going to say, like, I because mean, I think that if you God, get down from that and you realize the the yeah. you know the wretchedness of your of your spirit towards that. Well, what's what's the line from Forrest Gump? There, he's like, you know, and I think Lieutenant Dan finally made his peace with God. Yeah, like he had to get to that place of exasperation to be humbled 
and to come to grips with in, in that fictional story, you know, right. God being big and real. And Well, we always talk about that God can handle our emotions, and a lot of times that seems like that's the kind of thing that's in, you know, full-on emotional rage, right. you know, and getting it out. But right. I don't know. Oh, to, to, to wrap that up, if there is an unforgivable sin, it ain't divorce. Yeah. It ain't unforgive, unfor, uh, unfaithfulness. I'm, I'm using ain't just for fun because Jordan's are. not here. Um, it's, Does he use that all the it's, time? No, but he's my favorite country guy. <laughs> okay. um, but it's not divorce. It's not unfaithfulness. As much as we think it might be, I think maybe that's the place we need to wrap up today is the same place we wrapped up yesterday. Yep. This passage has been used by Christians to beat the heck out of people, to mm-hmm. make people feel bad about divorce, to make people feel like they're walking around with scarlet letters, to make unfaithful people feel like they've committed unpardonable sins. And that's not what Jesus did. Jesus reframed it and said, this is not about divorce. This is about the beauty, the sanctity of marriage, the oneness. Yes, I don't, I don't want you to tear that apart. There's really only one reason Jesus says that you can justify tearing it apart. That's unfaithfulness, and it's still not what I want. That's just because of your hard hearts, your inability to make it work, you know? Yeah. And I just, knowing that Colonial, like every other church I've ever been a part of, has a huge crowd of divorcees, of people hurt by divorce, people hurt by unfaithfulness. Uh, the less we focus on when can you have a divorce and when can you not have a divorce? And the more we focus on God's love for us, his forgiveness for all these things, his desire that we seek wholeness and fullness of life. And we trust in his teachings, however hard they are to, to register the better, the better. And so anybody who felt condemnation yesterday or today, listen to this or anybody who feels like we're getting into the weeds on when's divorce okay and when's it not and what's the text say? I think strongly they're missing it. Mm. This is about Jesus is for us. He's for wholeness. He's for, he's he wants our good. He wants to protect us from making a mess, a bigger mess <laughs> of things. That's really what this comes down to. I don't know how good a job I have done, but I trust that He can speak through His His Word. Well, that's why it's a difficult topic. It's and a difficult one. We have to trust that he does his job. This Sunday, brace yourselves. I was going to say, so, brace so yourselves. if we wrap this up and we pause this conversation looking towards next week, you, uh, what, uh, what are we bracing ourselves for? Well, I, I am not going to spoil anything Ooh, because, no, no, I mean, I, it's impossible because we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount. So look it up uh, right after the teaching on divorce. I will, I will spoil this. Right after the section on the teaching about divorce is the teaching about vows. Right. Uh, we're not going to talk about that this week. I was going to say, I don't know what's coming next because even, Look what's coming even next. this week, you skipped, over, you skipped over the teaching on adultery. I did, and which, then, I, which I almost didn't because that's a big one. That's, that's yeah. central. But, but check this out. I'll go ahead and say this. We're skipping over teaching about vows. We're going straight to verse 38. If you want to look Ooh. it up, the last part of Matthew 5, yeah. it's teaching about revenge and teaching about love for our enemies. And I don't know Those are two that there things is that anything we... harder in the Christian life yep. than this. So, mm. um, Those are two things we're great at. 
we are naturally horrible at these things. <laughs> I know I am. So all the reason we need to listen to what Jesus has to say. Yeah. And be challenged okay. by it. Yeah. All right. So we got a, we got another, uh, another, another week coming up. Another fun one. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being here, even though we, uh, we had to do this by ourselves and uh, you did, you did quite well. You carried the conversation. I appreciate Thanks, that. Yep. You know, you are the glue, my friend. <laughs> you are the, I don't know how many people know it out there, but starting this podcast 22, 23 weeks ago, uh, Brooke is the one that just kind of makes the magic happen. He's our host. I love that as pastor here, I get to be a part of it. Tanner has a unique voice. We are trying to get other people along the way, pastors and elders involved, but I don't want to leave it unsaid too often, Brooke. Thanks for, thanks for making it happen. You bet. It's fun. I appreciate it. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for submitting your questions and being vulnerable with us, trusting us with those questions. Cause that's not, uh, that's not always an easy thing to, uh, to, to write in a question where your name easily could be thrown out there if we weren't going to be, um, careful with it. So thank you for trusting us. Thank you for listening in. And, uh, we are going to wrap it up and we will see you next week. See you guys. You've been listening to the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. For more information about Colonial, please visit colonialchurch.com or download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. You can send us your thoughts, your feedback, and questions to our email, podcast at colonialchurch.com. And please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll pick up the conversation again next week.